Hello and welcome to the ET PhD team podcast, the podcast here to help you with your relationship with food and body by giving you evidence-based techniques to support yourself with a sprinkling of feminism, a dash of dismantling diet culture and a side of vulnerability as we share our own messy lives with you. I'm Emilia, a registered nutritionist and PhD with the sole purpose of making your life happier and healthier. If you love it, please do go wild and share it. And if you're ready for support with our coaching, details are in the show notes. Hello and welcome to episode number 145 of the ETPHD team podcast. 145 is a lot. <laughs> I know. We were celebrating 100. Well, not that long ago. Oh, no. What would that have been 20 weeks ago? Ish. Yeah, I know. We're, we're such prolific podcasters. Um, today we're going to talk about the 10 common challenges when starting to improve your relationship with food because we obviously work with thousands of people when, who look to improve their relationship with food. We speak to people on Instagram all the time and there are certain things that come up that often can feel really frustrating when you're trying to improve your relationship with food and can sometimes hold you back from going on to the next stage of improving your relationship with food because you can or you struggle to lean into the discomfort of these challenges and it can pause you. It's one of the reasons why coaching is obviously really helpful because we can say, look, this is super common. We see this all the time. And we were having a discussion the other week, weren't we, where we were saying, you know, these things keep coming up with our clients in terms of having these struggles. So we thought it's a good idea just to put on a podcast and cover all bases. And if you relate to any of them, obviously both of our messages and inboxes are always open. If you're a client, then let us know, obviously. But if not, you can always message us. Um, oh, it just froze the Wi-Fi. So I'm currently in Lisbon in, in a beautiful apartment, but I don't think the Wi-Fi is 100%. So Anna, if I pause then. Um. <laughs> I'm just hoping you go back with a towel over your head. That would be great. <laughs> oh, what was that? That was in Mexico, wasn't it? Those were hot, hot days when I just put a towel over my head. But it's very effective for good podcasting. You might have a slight echo today, but to be honest, it's just a bit warm to sit under a towel and talk to myself. So let's try with that. Anyway, how are you? I am good, thank you. Oh, good. The week is flying by. I feel like life is flying by. This year is flying by. We're almost. Well, yeah, I mean, we're at end of August. That's mad. I know. It's my birthday in a few weeks. It's terrifying. I'm like, (laughs) I'm going to move into closer to 40 than I am 30 on my next birthday. That's quite scary. Anyway. Moving on, quickly moving on. Okay, we have 10 things, 10 common challenges. The first is you feel like you're not doing enough. So it's yeah. <laughs> common. Whenever we start with a client, they feel like they want to do more, right? 100%. And it's mostly, I think, because they've come from the the background of fat loss needing to do everything all at once to get the results as quickly as possible mm-hmm. yeah I agree that's it's the rush to get things done isn't it and the thing is with a lot of the work we do it's buildable because one of our kind of goals for anyone improving their relationship with food is that this is the last coaching relationship that you'll probably ever need to have um, and even if you're not working with us once you've improved your relationship with food you might never diet again or you might like just be at peace so that you can easily diet again or gain weight whatever your goals may be and so often you've come from this place of yo-yo diet and chronic dieting where 
you are over exercising where you're training six days a week you're tracking everything that you eat you know you're doing 10,000 steps plus every single day you're making sure you eat your protein there's so many things and when when we support anyone to start with their relationship with food there'll be a couple of meal guidelines in there you know eat regularly eat protein three or four times a day eat vegetables and fruits with most of your meals on average now this is going to look different for each person and that might be all you do for the first week just to get into regularity of eating and you know obviously when anyone starts with to get a huge document that's got a hell of a lot more information than these dietary guidelines and as time goes on we'll add in you know mindfulness work self-compassion work but the point is is when you're trying to build habits that sustain you for the rest of your life you can't just go all in and try and do everything at once especially if you're so used to doing something completely different it can feel overwhelming just to do these few things and we just want to be doing especially for perfection such a lot of people are we feel like we should do, be doing more and more and more to feel like we're doing something I'm, doing, I'm working on relationship food so I need to be doing x y and z and I see this person on Instagram doing mindfulness with every meal and yoga and whatever like meditation when really that's not helpful to start off with we try, you need to meet yourself where you are now all of our clients will start slightly differently but we always work with our clients to say this is where you are right now so this is what you like this is I'm going to meet you with where you are right now and that might be that you're going to go to the gym twice it might mean that you're going to go to the gym five times or it might mean that you're going to eat protein for breakfast or maybe that you're going to eat protein for every meal um but it's super common to feel like you're not doing enough and feel frustrated that you want to be doing more the second is you feel uncomfortable in doing the basics so examples of this that we hear are that eating mindfully can feel really really difficult and also that trying to be mindful can take so much effort and feel so difficult that it almost feels the same as being preoccupied by food because you're thinking about it all the time and you're thinking about if you're actually doing it right so all of these kind of what we would call quite basic habits that we would build on relatively early can feel actually really quite uncomfortable yeah yeah most definitely and I always have the same conversation with people when they're well initially I start introducing just a distraction free meal that that's all so you're not even focusing on hunger fullness anything like that it is just sitting down with the food without anything and that feels super uncomfortable because we often eat on autopilot we're often trying to multitask and eat while we're working or catching up on other bits even if it's on your lunch break and you're scrolling social media you're not paying attention to the food and you're not paying attention to the thoughts going on in your head potentially and so often well I say so often all the time when you start it will feel uncomfortable it's something completely new and it's just like anything else and it is like you said going back to the beginning leaning into that discomfort initially because it's not going to feel or begin to feel natural until you start to practice it consistently. Mm -hmm. I agree. And I think that's the thing people, it seems so easy on paper, just eat without distraction. That's so easy. But if you constantly are distracted, if you are someone who goes to the toilet and scrolls Instagram on the toilet and who watches TV when they eat and never really sits in silence, there's a reason for that. 
And sometimes the reason is because actually when you stop, that's when feelings can, come, can creep in. That's when thoughts can creep in. And often we distract ourselves so that we don't have to think about that. And saying eat without distraction, eat mindfully, that's quite uncomfortable because you don't know what your brain is like, well, I need something to focus on. You're focusing on the meal. That's sort of the point is that you're focusing on what you're eating, which can be difficult within itself, but also you are then creating that space for, oh, actually, I feel it's very quiet in here. I feel kind of alone in this house. Or, you know, I feel actually really frustrated or anxious about work tomorrow or whatever it may be. You're creating that space. And if you've come from a place of over-exercising or overeating or this dysfunctional relationship with food, the chances are you're probably not super comfortable with sitting with those feelings. So although it looks like you're feeling discomfort around a mindful meal, what the discomfort is, is actually what that mindful meal then allows your body to do or your brain to do, which is actually starting to, to think about things. And the other part about mindfulness feeling similar to, to food preoccupation, just like you said, in order to learn a skill or develop a practice, which are two slightly different things, but mindfulness is a bit of a practice, you have to at least intentionally, initially be intentional with it. So mindfully will not be, will not feel like preoccupation and will not feel like effort after you've put the effort in. It's that thing that we were talking about on the podcast recently, weren't we, about becoming unconsciously competent where it just eventually becomes something that you're doing naturally but you can't get to that point until you actually learn and become kind of consciously competent um because right now you're maybe a little bit incompetent you're consciously incompetent and you're aware that you don't do these things but you want to get to the point where actually you're consciously doing these things which might feel a little bit like preoccupation at the beginning but you have to have faith that as you transition out of that it will become much easier and more natural. The third, resistance to anything that reminds you of dieting. So if we introduce food guidelines, et cetera, something that's really common is people feel like we are setting new rules. And when people are trying to, for some of our clients are trying to move away from dieting, some of our clients are dieting, but some of them are trying to move away from dieting and they have a really negative relationship with that. So when we introduce food guidelines, they feel really shut down to this idea that this feels like dieting. Absolutely. And I think always try and reframe it because I, I, I completely get it. Um, having what feels like food rules, but go back to your values. What's important to you right now? I'd say for I mean, more than, I'd say like 80, 90% of people, health is one of their top five values, most definitely. Okay, so what do I need to do that's in line with that value of health? Well, whatever the goal, protein, nutrient-dense foods with your fruits and your veggies, those are really important for optimal health. So actually including those are gonna be really beneficial for me. And it's not a case of restriction, it's, it's I'm including these because that's what's important to me. You've hit on the two points I was exactly just going to say. The fact that it's inclusion. We're saying things like including veggies and fruit with your meal, um, making sure your meals are like, tied to making sure you're eating a protein. 
these things are in inclusion approaches to nutrition, not exclusion. And that is how we coach, regardless of anyone's goals, that is how we coach. We look at inclusion in your diet. It's the opposite of restriction. It's the opposite of dieting. And the other thing is that, like you said, it's a choice. You are making the courageous choice to work on your relationship with food. You don't have to do anything, but you are choosing to focus on your health because that's in line with your values. You are choosing to say, well, the healthiest thing for me to do is to eat veggies and fruit with most meals. So I'm going to do that. Not, I have to do that because someone's told me to do that. And when you frame things as a choice rather than framing them as a have to, it infinitely changes the way that you think about things, but also your response. And there's a specific study that actually looked at dieters who felt that they were choosing to diet and they had a choice over what they were eating as opposed to people that got told that they had to have it. And their their actual natural preferences went towards like kind of healthier foods in the study as opposed to, I think the alternative was like chocolate cake. Obviously there's no food that's inherently bad, but when they felt that they had a choice, they were choosing to make healthful choices, they chose the healthier, quote unquote, healthier foods as opposed to other ones. Whereas the other ones who felt that they were being told that they had to have those foods, those kind of quote unquote healthy foods, they actually had these cravings for the, the cake so really it's really important to remember that you are choosing to do this process and no one is forcing you to do it and also it's, it's a luxury a privilege that you can make this choice mm. and I was just gonna add as well if you are someone that is coming from a background struggling with overeating then including these sorts of foods is going to be really beneficial to help overall satiety through the day so again it's in line with improving your relationship with food and it doesn't mean that like you said it's not at the exclusion of anything else you can still and obviously whoever you're working with will be working to include lots of different foods throughout but we want to set you up for success and part of that is making sure that you're regulating hunger and feeling satisfied at each meal and both of those things are going to support that mm -hmm. agreed okay uh, next common challenge you feel like unconditional permission to eat is a free roll because anything else would be restricting. It does feel like that initially. Um, and I think this is part one of those times where you have to ride it out because you've, you've avoided, you've restricted those foods for so long that unless you truly give yourself unconditional permission to eat, and that's without any, well, I'm only going to have a certain amount. Well, I'm only going to have it on whatever day. Or if I've gone to the gym, that's still putting condition and therefore feelings of restriction around that food. So there's always going to be a struggle. And in the initial stages of you giving yourself that permission, there are going to be times where you overeat. That's perfectly normal because you have to kind of, well, the food will lose its novelty. But you are equally finding out at the moment what servings satisfy you, um, what makes you feel your best. And it's a bit trial and error to begin with. Um, like I said, it's really common initially to still struggle with overeating, but you have to ride it out in order to get to the other side. 
I totally agree. It would be ideal to go from a diet mentality or restriction mentality to just snap your fingers and say, well, I have unconditional permission to eat. So now when I eat a pastel donata, which is something I just had last night, now when I eat one of those, I only want to eat three quarters of it because I'm satisfied and that's enough. That, that unfortunately doesn't happen. And I say, unfortunately, it's actually a really nice journey for you to go on. Initially, it will be challenging where you might eat four pastel donata because that's what you got given in the shop. Um, and then the next time you might eat three, the next time you might eat five, and then the next time you might eat two and then one, and then get to a point where you eat what you choose to eat. Um, but I agree, you have to kind of go through this part. Most people give up if they're not working with a coach and they say, right, I'm going to give myself unconditional permission to eat. Most people give up because in a week, it's still the same. They feel like they're overeating because they've eaten pizza every night. But you're eating pizza every night because you haven't eaten pizza in six months or you've only eaten it in a binge type mentality every Saturday night for the last six months. And you might gain weight initially and that can be quite scary, especially if you're not working with a coach. But you have to, again, remember that this is an essential kind of part of this chapter before you get to the next phase. It's also really important to listen to yourself here and not listen to social media or the media there's a massive misunderstanding of what unconditional permission to eat is and people still think it's like a free-for-all and diet culture will continue, continuously tell you that it's a free-for-all. Diet culture will consistently send messages that say, if I just got to eat as much cake as I want, I would just eat the whole cake. That's, what, that's a diet culture message. That's not true. If you get to a place, think about it. If you're getting to a place, which is what all our clients get to and what we want you to get to, even if you're not our client, is a place of acting out of respect and care for your body. You're not going to be eating a cake every day if you respect and care for your body, unless there's some other emotional things going on there that, you're, that you hopefully work on. If you're not working with us, you're doing that yourself. Um, but certainly stuff that we work on with our clients. That's not how you treat your body well. You might treat your body well by having half a cake one day, randomly, like because it's delicious and you have it throughout the day. And I don't know, your mom made it, whatever. That might look like a normal, healthful diet for you as a whole of, 80% whole foods and then let's say whole foods, you know, more nutrient dense foods and 20% less so. Um, so switch off those, like mute those people that say, me giving myself unconditional permission to eat, shoving donuts at my t-shirt. It's one of the ones I've seen. And it's like, that's not in reality what it is. And actually, if you look at, even look at the intuitive eating research, unconditional permission to eat is associated with, like again, an improved relationship with food. It's not associated with higher BMI. It's not associated with fat gain. It's, but initially, what's something we see with some of our clients is this process means that they might gain a little bit of weight at the beginning for some of our clients. For other people, it comes with a weight loss or weight maintenance. Okay, next. Balancing eating, I struggle with balancing, or you struggle with balancing eating intuitively and eating to satiety. So for example, what if someone's not hungry and we've said, eat regularly, eat to satiety? The reasons that we do this is because if somebody is regularly overeating, it's really important to get some initial structure in place to eat regularly. And on the flip side of that, if someone is trying to restore their period, we will say eat regularly, even if you're not hungry. So you're not eating to hunger at this point, you're actually eating to support your relationship with food or your health in some way. Yeah, most definitely. And it feels completely counterintuitive if you followed any of us for some time obviously we talk about eating to hunger eating to satiety 
and when you're not hungry then why the heck would you do it but both of those cases like you said if you're working to restore your cycle if you're working to reduce overeating you're not going to be always eating to hunger but again it comes back to well what's important to me what do I need to do to to make sure that I'm working towards that actually eating regularly through the day that's what I need to do make sure that I'm eating sufficiently through the day agree and I think that the, the key is the distinction between eating intuitively and eating to stop binge eating or eating to gain your regain your period is that eating they're not the same thing there are times in life where eating intuitively is not the right thing that might be for fat loss that might be for fat or weight gain and that might be to stop overeating and there are some other situations too maybe when you're stressed or you're anxious and you have low appetite or high appetite and there are certain times when eating intuitively is not the right thing to do and so it can feel counterintuitive like you said to eat when you're not hungry but if you are someone that's in any of these situations, it is important that you wake up in the morning, you have breakfast and you eat to satiety, which you might not know what that is yet. And when someone says eat to satiety, you might think, well, I don't even know what satiety is. And that involves you getting curious about what that feels like. And then three hours later, eating again, even though you're not hungry because you had breakfast three hours ago and it was quite a larger than normal meal, you're not eating intuitively, you're eating to manage this overeating. So if you do regularly overeat at night, a lot of the time it comes from restriction in the morning. And if you overeat at night the next morning, the last thing you want to do often is to have breakfast. But it is important that you do that to stop yourself from overeating to, or to help minimise the chance of you overeating again at night. So recognising that even if you're on the journey to eating more intuitively in the long term, in the short term, that might not look like eating intuitively. It might look like eating regularly. Okay, the mental challenge of eating more. For example, if you're trying to eat more to stop overeating, like eat, again, eat more regularly, or if you are eating more to regain your period, um, you might have feelings all on your gut or potentially initially bloating that can come with increasing food variety. So this is quite common for people who have had quite a restrictive diet and then they start introducing foods in it and it leads to bloating because your gut adapts, right? Your gut adapts to what you give it. And if you've got followed a very restrictive diet, then you start bringing in new foods. You often tell yourself that you're intolerant to them. And you might be initially a little bit intolerant to them because your gut has adapted to not, the, your microbiome is not kind of optimal for digesting those foods. But the only way to do that is to start reintroducing those foods again. Yeah, most definitely. Like you said, everybody that has come from a restrictive background, and I include myself when I uh, stopped prep and I was like, oh my God, I've made myself lactose intolerant no I'm gonna keep on drinking the lattes because I really enjoy them um and yeah clearly have no problems with it anymore but again you come back to health and for for gut health we know that it needs a diverse range of different different foods so actually yeah leaning into that discomfort initially is going to be super important and keeping in mind that this isn't going to it's not always going to feel well as mentally or as physically uncomfortable because your body will get used to it and I think kind of thinking okay well yes I might be struggling with bloating how can I help myself how can I help myself 
here how can I make myself feel more more comfortable and that might be changing to like a floaty top a different dress so because it's one of those things isn't it if you're aware everybody's got those hang-ups and if you're aware that you are feeling bloated you're naturally going to be drawn to those areas so what can you do to help yourself in that situation totally totally agree okay you're in a larger body so not dieting and not tracking feels very counterintuitive in this specific situation this generally would be if somebody again is has is emotionally eating regularly overeating or binge eating we often will work on a more intuitive approach initially to help restore your relationship with food and then move on to dieting when we know that you can actually stick to that diet and maintain the results of that diet. That's generally when you get much better fat loss results. So we are one of the few teams, I think actually some other coaches that I really respect um, have told me that they do the same thing when I posted about this, but we flip it on its head. We don't do diet then maintenance. We do maintenance then diet. And then that maintenance lasts forever as opposed to just while you're tracking maintenance calories yeah if you think we know two of the biggest triggers for overeating is excessive hunger and food preoccupation and dieting will increase both of those things so actually if you're someone that is struggling with overeating regularly then why why would we increase the the likelihood of you doing that what's going to be most beneficial for your relationship with food right now actually getting your overeating under control so you feel in a good place increasing the the success when you are ready to diet mm, absolutely and things like body preoccupation restrictive in terms of being restricted in your food choices as well as your calories there are additional triggers for overeating there are so many more food rules another trigger for overeating um, tracking can be a trigger for overeating so if you come to us and say I'm overeating and I want fat loss great this is the way to do it it's not doing what you've always done over and over again that's led to yo-yo dieting of tracking regaining tracking regaining it's okay let's restore your relationship with food and then and trust us in this process that when you diet it's going to be infinitely more enjoyable because when you do diet and what we see with our clients when they do diet after doing this process they can go out for a meal and leave food on their plate if they're full or not and not feel guilty about it the next day they don't they no longer have the kind of screw it mentality of slipping like feeling like they slipped on their diet and then eat everything inside they don't have that anymore because they know that they're looking at overall healthful choices they they might overeat a little bit but it's a conscious choice as opposed to this mindless eating episode out of game game guilt and shame so it's again I think what we're seeing a huge trend here in terms of initial problems is you have to trust that this initial stage is not the end point like if you were going on a fat loss journey you wouldn't expect your body to look like the way you want it to look at the end of a diet within a month that's not what happens you have to go through that initial stage and me and my friends always laugh there's always a stage of dieting that you go through which is about four to six weeks in I used to call it the pencil phase of step of prep I don't know why I keep struggling to get my words out these days and um, the pencil stage of prep where I'd be like I'm not I don't look like I've really lost much weight but I don't I can't really see my muscle I look like a pencil and <laughs> I remember you saying that when I dieted with you and you're like yeah you're at the pencil stage where you just feel a bit soft <laughs> like yeah yeah 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you, and, it's, and you have to go through that to then get to the point where you go oh actually now I'm now I can notice the effects of my fat loss and it's harder when it's your relationship with food right because you don't have the quantitative value potentially of scale weight sometimes we'll take scale weight sometimes we won't we'll take other measurements etc it can be more difficult to trust the process when you're not seeing those instantaneous kind of changes but again the only way to get to that end point is to go through this point and I'm sure it wasn't Einstein I'm sure it's just been attributed to Einstein but that quote about uh, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results you've done that a hundred times before and it hasn't worked so why not try something different the next not knowing what you actually enjoy eating anymore so we when we work with people we often find that you know we're encouraging variety we don't give out meal plans we say these are some food guidelines Think about what you enjoy to eat and work that into your meal guidelines. Where like people often say, well, I don't actually know what I enjoy eating because I've been eating the same foods for so long or I've always chosen these low calorie or low fat options. I actually don't know what I find tasty anymore and what I like, like to eat anymore. Yeah, exactly. And I think sometimes it can feel really overwhelming um, or, well, really overwhelming in the fact that, okay, I'm gonna have to start introducing different foods, but equally, okay, well, how have I ended up at a point where I don't even know what I truly like? But again, it's kind of like the, this is, you're not alone. None of these questions, um, we're doing this because we hear them so often. And I mean, I try, again, coming back to reframing in that this is actually a really exciting time now. We can, explore the foods that you really enjoy, the foods that get you excited again. Um, because we forget what food is all about. If you've spent, if you've had quite a restrictive background, you've lost that enjoyment entirely. Food just kind of served a purpose. Whereas now it's not just about fuel, it's about all the socializing you can do, all the memories you can make. And Although, yeah, it's going to be a little bit scary initially. We will do it in a way that, yes, you're going to have to step outside your comfort zone, but we're here to support you through that as well. Mm, absolutely. And I think it's hard. It can be really hard because you can convince yourself that you don't like something. Like you can genuinely believe that you don't like something. We see this a lot of people saying, well, I don't like that food, but it's like, just try it and see how you feel. And it's like, well, actually... I thought I didn't like it, but you could convince yourself that you didn't like it because maybe it's higher in fat than your normal food choices. And it's like 5% Greek yogurt. I swear, I was like, it just tastes, we've had this conversation so many times, just tastes exactly the same as 0%. No, it does not. 5% yogurt does not taste the same as 0% yogurt. You are lying to yourself. Now, I'm not saying that you can't prefer, genuinely prefer 0%. You genuinely might, and that's totally okay. No food judgment. But be sure that you actually do, and you're not just telling yourself that because it's 0% rather than 5% or it's got more protein in it versus slightly more protein than the 5% one. Um, we all can create these kind of food rules in our head and, and be a little bit deceptive with ourselves. And, you know, sometimes I'll work with clients for months and months to say, right, okay, let's try and introduce something new this time. And they might look at foods for ages and they always want to buy it, but they won't buy it because of, you know, they think it's like a kind of red food for them they, that they will either overeat on it or it's too high in calories and reintroducing these foods slowly. And it's a great kind of challenge to yourself to go to the supermarket 
know that roughly what you you want so you might have like your usual meals and that's fine but then say to yourself right I'm going to buy one different food this week I'm going to allow myself one different food and just go up and down the aisles and if that feels even overwhelming to you then say right I'm going to choose a carb source that's different maybe normally you'd have pasta but this week you're going to go up and down the bread aisle and you think oh I'd quite like to try a bagel try a bagel or a different protein source or different sauce whatever it is you can start on that really basic level and reintroduce things and I think sometimes it's this fear of getting the wrong thing and not liking it and there's this kind of especially if you come from a restrictive mindset of um well if I don't like it I'm going to have wasted it I'm going to waste food or I'm going to have wasted money and I'm going to have wasted that meal because I didn't really like it that much but getting comfortable with that imperfection getting comfortable with you're not going to like everything you eat we went to a taco place the other night Emma and I and for some reason didn't even order tacos <laughs> like we got a tostada we got this sort of sandwich thing and we got oh, esquites which is like the best sweet corn side oh it's just fantastic my sister-in-law made it for us once and I was like it's like Mexican street corn oh now I'm obsessed with it anyway didn't get any tacos we got a chicken sandwich thing and a fish taco because in Lisbon they're famous for cod so I thought oh I'll try it and I had a bite of the cod and I was like, nope, still can't eat fish. I had a bite of the chicken and I was like, nope, still can't eat chicken because I'm so, I'm so veggie now that it kind of gives, like I thought I might like it. And then so then I had tons of the corn and came back and had some cake and cracked on with my life. It wasn't like this devastating experience of, I didn't like that food, what a waste of a meal. Emma ate it, she enjoyed it. I had a nice time. And now I've learned that actually I'm still not keen on fish and chicken and I'm still kind of veggie and that's fine. Um, but we can often catastrophize it because we think that our food has to be perfect. And part of your relationship with food is giving yourself the flexibility to try new things and to get curious about things, much like it is when you're getting accused about your hunger and fullness. And it's absolutely okay if you don't like something or you do or you overeat a little bit or whatever it is. Yeah, I was thinking back um, to a client when she first began. And the goal was to be able to go out and enjoy meals with a partner but that was something that caused so much anxiety and we ended up having a conversation and so like you said introducing different things um and the first one was just swapping a carb source but pasta was a a big no-go I was like but if we think about it logically pasta is just another source of carbohydrate what's the difference between pasta and potato and likewise I mean Cheese was, well, one for me, um, again, and you're like, well, you can have peanut butter. That's a high fat food. So why don't we just try some cheese instead? Because again, that's, that's just fat. And if you can begin to change the way you think about it and remove the potential labels behind it and just see it for what it is in, in just food and the food groups, because ultimately that's what all foods are made from. Um, <laughs> that can be a helpful way to reintroduce different things as well. Mm, completely agree. Okay, number nine, you feel a sense of desperation to rush the work to get to fat loss. So you struggle to engage in the process properly um, and or kind of end up feeling like you're never going to get to fat loss because you're holding yourself in place because you're struggling to do the initial work that will allow you to get to fat loss. Yeah. <laughs> we know yeah we know ultimately 
I, I hate to break it to you, but we know we can see when when you do just want to rush through it all, when you're not giving it everything. And I completely understand because fat loss for so many people is their initial goal. But going back to the previous question, we want you to be able to do it with a different headspace, to be able to maintain it, to have a successful diet. And that means that you're going to have to do something differently. Hmm. I think sometimes accepting that you might always want fat loss. Hmm. And, and acceptance is so important in this journey for lots of different reasons. But in this specific reason, saying you might always have a drive to be a little bit leaner. You might not. And a lot of our clients kind of remove that when they get to a healthy space in their body, their body fat levels, their relationship with food, their exercise, etc. They don't have that drive to be smaller anymore. And that's obviously a great place to be. And that's a very peaceful place to be. But it's naive to think that we live in this world and not think that this world glorifies being slightly thinner. I'm sure it'll change again. I mean, it's already changed since 2000s to now. And we've gone from Kate Moss, Kate Moss to Kim Kardashian. Like That is obviously our body kind of ideals in that way have changed. But accepting that... Even though, even in the face of thinking right now, I would much rather be doing fat loss, but I know that I need to be doing, working on my relationship with food first. That's an okay narrative to have in your head. You don't have to suppress or be ashamed or think that you're kind of different, that you feel this drive for fat loss initially. And again, we are pro fat loss for people that want fat loss and it's healthy for them, 100%. Um, But we are pro you doing it in a way that lasts for good, not like not risking your relationship with food and not even if we took your relationship food out of it, not getting you to a place where you're just going to regain the weight again. It's just, it's not a healthful place for you to be. And then you come back to us in a year because you've regained the weight. That's just not helpful. So it's up to you, right? You either engage in this process and think, what will my future self thank me for? Imagine yourself in six months going through a diet. Are, do you want to be going into a diet with a good relationship with food? Or do you want to be going into a relationship, like a, a diet with a kind of surface level relationship with food that you've ticked the boxes, but you haven't really done the work? What do you think is going to lead to the outcome that you want? Okay, so let's come back to the present, accept what you do feel, write it out, tell your coach, write it in your journal, and then do the things that actually matter, the things that actually support your relationship with food. But there's no shame in it. And it's super common. And a lot of people come to us because they want fat loss that lasts. And so they say, I want to work on my relationship with food, not because I want to work on my relationship with food, but because I want fat loss. And that's fine. That will change over time working with us and working on your body appreciation and your body gratitude because you'll start to care more about your body. But it's totally okay to feel that way. Okay, finally, you feel guilty for wanting fat loss. I mean, it comes back to that previous question. It's totally okay to want fat loss. Totally okay. And you look at all the reasons, like you say, fat loss has been glorified. Thinner bodies are apparently more desirable. Um, But holding on to that guilt is potentially going to stop you from making the progress that you want to make. Um, So again, it comes back to that acceptance and saying to yourself, do you know what, it's it's okay to want fat loss, but what's most important to me right now and what's going to be most helpful to me, not only right now, but long-term as well, 
And ultimately, she's your body. We will never, ever tell you what to do with your body. There are a few exceptions where I won't support fat loss. Like in terms of if someone is binge eating or if someone needs to restore their period, I would rather lose you as a client than do something that is unhealthy for you. And we all have that. Like that's a shared value of all of ours as coaches. It's why we work together in the way that we do. But there, but also none of us judge you for wanting fat loss. And also you might come to us and you actually your relationship with food could do some work, but you could still drop body fat at the same time. There's there's a spectrum of relationship with food, right? And some people may be more kind of extreme in terms of their overeating, but some people might actually occasionally overeat, have some food rules around, you know, good and bad foods, struggle to be mindful. A lot of you can still drop body fat and go on an intentional diet at the same time as improving your relationship food. We have lots of clients that come to us and we start them dieting straight away. So that's one thing to, to know. But realistically, we A, understand your drive to want to be leaner. We B, will support your drive to want to be leaner in a lot of cases. There's no guilt around it. So look at where your guilt is coming from because it's a thought. It's not a, like you usually feel guilt about something that you've done that is wrong. Why do you think fat loss is wrong? And that's something to unpick because if you think fat loss is wrong, it's not about us. If you think it's wrong for you, why do you think it's wrong for you? Is it because actually you know that maybe there are other things that you want to work on and choosing to do fat loss would be counterintuitive to that? Okay, well, great. You're here to make the right choices so you can kind of recognize that and say, well, I'm going to honor my health first and foremost, and then I then I can move on to this. Um, fat loss is not inherently a bad thing. So objectively, it's not. If you're following people that say dieting is inherently bad, unfollow those people. I think sometimes like we often encourage people to follow like diverse um, messages. So you might have some diet people on your page. You might have some anti-diet people on your page. Follow diverse bodies, follow people of color, follow any, anybody that is diverse, follow them. But that does mean that you're gonna be subjected to conflicting information. And if that information does trigger you or make like, first of all, figure out why you're triggered. Like that's the most important thing. I think I would love it if we could follow people that trigger us and then just rather than unfollow them, just figure out why they're triggering us and do that own work. But I meet people all the time because I'm triggered by it. And I know why I'm triggered by it. It doesn't mean I want to see it. So like monitor where you're getting your messages from and do some journal on like, why do, what is it about fat loss? or wanting fat loss that makes me feel guilty? Why do I think it's a bad thing? And then you'll uncover what's actually going on. So those are the 10, the 10 I suppose, major things that we see coming up a lot, either on Instagram with, and with clients. And I think, like I said earlier, I think a lot of it is just about, it's about self-awareness. It's about accepting of whatever does come up. It's about being curious about your own relationship with food. But it's also about saying this is chapter one or, you know, you might have been through 18 chapters already before you've got to this point. This is chapter 19 of a book that is very, very long. That is your life. And you cannot make sense of the subsequent chapters unless you go through this chapter first. Like you, you can't. You have to eventually go to, through this work. And if, you're, if you've been putting it off for a long time, it's going to feel scary. And if you want to keep putting it off, then that's absolutely fine. But eventually you will come back and say, and I don't mean to ask as coaches necessarily, I mean, come back to yourself and say, oh, I should, probably should have done that work earlier. I just wasn't ready to do it yet. 
and that's common isn't it we get people applying to work with us and they say I applied three times but I just wasn't ready to do it yet but I've realized now that that's the only way to get to the next point of where I want to be and that's fine you know I'd like to say that we'll always be here but get curious about it accept that you can't do everything at once and be patient with it yeah absolutely okay great we'll be back thanks well thank you and thanks to other coaches who contributed these points much much appreciated thanks thanks so much for listening i hope you enjoyed it and as always if you did please do feel free to like share subscribe and review and if you would like to chat to me then you can find details of my instagram in the show notes